Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to the broad street hockey green room live post game my name is bill Matz. i'm a director of fun and games for the evening uh this is the most important weekend of flyers hockey in two years at least and they came up huge i mean i i couldn't be happier honestly let's get one Woo! zero points back to backs against the buffalo sabers a couple of regulation losses this is as good as it gets, fam. This was, I mean, in terms of somewhat winnable games left on the schedule, you see two with Buffalo. You think, man, they could get two, three points out of a, out of you know, something like this. No, they get zero and continue their free fall in the standings. It's honestly perfect. I couldn't be happier with the effort. I couldn't be happier with the results. Um, this is what had to happen. Hopefully, they continue losing for these next, what is it now, seven games, and we end up maybe with a top three or four pick. Shit, man, forget five. Let's get top three or four, but I I didn't watch a ton of the games. Uh, I watched the Sixers yesterday. I had family dinners and stuff today. I saw some of them. I watched the end of both games, but I don't think anyone really cares about the games. It's more about the organization as a whole, Uh, but whatever you want to talk about, let's do it. Let's lead it off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. Uh, Hey, Bill, how are you? How's it going tonight, Harris? Um. I watched the game yesterday because uh, I was at a OHL game that I went to, um, but I saw the scoreboard. Um, and it was two nothing Flyers last night, and I was like, I know. I was like, oh shit, of course. And then they um, they come in clutch and they give up uh, a bunch of goals. And then today it's uh, Tage Thompson really coming through for us. Tage Thompson like somehow got good. It's very weird. <laughs> It's it's funny with Buffalo, like they're gonna finish with a bad record because of the way things started and all the Jack Eichel stuff. Like it was an organization in disarray at the start of the season. I wouldn't call them that anymore. They've been they've been pretty good lately. I think they're I think I saw like thirteen eight and two or something yeah. uh, in their last what, however many games. Like they've been decent. Um. Yeah. Um, problem for them is they'll probably still find a way to fuck it up in in the future. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I mean, playing Yandel tonight, um, not that like he was in on every goal, but like he obviously contributed to the first two and um, that was nice for the tank purposes. And then, um, yeah, Provorov did his job not getting the puck out of his own zone. And, uh, Thompson <laughs> scored there. So uh, I with Provorov, I don't know what he is at this point. I feel like he's almost a tweener. He doesn't produce enough offense and then he's not a shutdown guy defensively. So, like, I don't know, like, what his role is long-term, unless he bounces back. Yeah, and, like, I expect him to bounce. Like, I don't think he's this bad. But also, I have no idea what his role is, what he's actually good at at this point. Like, ideally, where we'd play him in the line. I have no idea about any of that. Uh, He's just, I don't know, probably an all-right, like you said, tweener. Like, He's not great at any one thing. He's just kind of all right at a few things. I could see, and you guys have talked about this on the podcast, because um, he his name value and he's had a couple of very, very good seasons, um, he could fetch a pretty big return in some like team that's desperate uh, on the back end or just to get another name, like say like the Jets or the Oilers. And he played in Brandon, so the WHL connection. 
um, trade him out there, and then they might give up a lot because they they're going for that piece to, in the Jets' case, get back to the playoffs, and the Oilers' case, just get help on the back end. Like that's well, yeah, kind of, and, that's why I could see. Uh, uh, like a good team, I could see wanting to add him as like, oh yeah, good depth, and uh, a poorly run team, I could see giving up a shit ton for him because you just go look at those minutes, look at all the minutes he plays, and it, it, it you get into like the Rasmus Ristolainen situation where you're like, oh yeah, but the team sucks, it's not him, we he'll be good for us, like all right maybe, but also he does play all these minutes for this team, he's a contributing factor, you know, <laughs> like so I. I I do think, uh, honestly, I did not think even a few months ago I'd be at this point. But if I have to choose between Sanheim and Provorov, it's Sanheim all day. Well, yeah, Sanheim's better defensively. And NHL teams are very known to, like, overvalue pedigree. And because Provorov was the seventh overall pick in 2015, like, even though he, like, defensively, guys like Marcus Pedersen and Brandon Carlo are way better defensively, but because Provorov has the name value and has done it at least to some extent in the past, um, like he's going to bring back way more of a return than the other guys that I just mentioned. Yeah, I agree, Harrison. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm very much, listen, if they're going to do, I mean, either way, really, like, if they're going to aggressively rebuild, uh, that money that they're paying Provorov can be better put somewhere else and the return that they can get for him. Awesome. And if they're going to, you know, just blow it up, which they're not, but if they were, fuck it, you can probably get a lot for Provorov. Like I think Provorov is a prime trade candidate this off season. And up until a few weeks ago, I really didn't think that that was going to happen. I thought there'd be changes. I thought for sure, Probably like Sanheim would get traded. Konechny would get traded. One of the, you know, young-ish veterans. But I, I really think, I'm not saying that those two might not be, uh, but I really think Provorov ain't going to be here. Uh, I think Chris H. was next. Chris H., you're live on the post game. Uh, hey, Bill, how you doing? How's it going tonight, Chris? Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, a game like this was actually fun to watch because I thought Noah Cates looked good. Um, and it's fun to watch the young guys. I, I much rather lose with young guys than lose with a bunch of crappy veterans. So, oh, yeah, because at least yeah. that gives you something. Like, I don't know if Noah Cates, like, if he's much more than, like, a fourth liner on a good team. But how many – we've filled that role with so many guys. Like, oh, yeah, he's – and they're not good. Like, if he's actually good at that thing, that you're going to need fourth liners too. And considering what they're going to have to spend to get the high-end talent they need in here – you need homegrown cheap players in that in the bottom of your lineup. That's the only way to make this thing work a little bit. Yeah, you're you're gonna need a couple young guys on cheap contracts to surround the guys that you already have and you know, hopefully he develops and hopefully, hopefully, you know, next season when guys are back, they don't regu- you know, put this guy in the AHL or something like the Flyers like to do, you know, put him in the AHL, never see any ice time. I mean put like you know, the good teams in NHL have those young guys in the fourth, you know, line, third line, and even in the top six. You need a couple of those guys in the top six. But and um, and real quick, real quick to that point, Chris, like I feel, I feel like we've seen so many guys stagnate in their development, and it's because their role stagnates. Like whether they never get, uh, you know, they're always just fourth liners. They're always just like, you know, they take spend way too much time in the AHL and like the time of their career where their game could be growing, it just doesn't. And then suddenly they're 25 years old. Like, Oh yeah, they are what they are because this is what you turn them into. Yeah. And then on top of that, you always got the coaches, you know, flip-flopping, always firing a guy, bringing a guy in, you know, this season we're going to have, you know, next season we're going to have a new coach and a new system again. So it's like, they're always switching systems. You're never consistent. So you're like, you're killing their development. I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's they have organization. They have tremendous talent issues, and they might not even be the biggest issues. <laughs> like the biggest <laughs> issues really might be organizational, even though they lack talent, uh, like to an immense degree. And my last point is the previous caller said, you know, we should trade Provy, and I'd be down for trading, you know, trading him and trading. 
you know, connect me maybe and train some of those guys. But here's my issue with that. When, you know, when the halfway point of the season, Chuck Fletcher had that conference or whatever, he said, you know, we're in a retool, you know, not a rebuild. And we have a core here. And I think that he thinks Provy is part of that core. I mean, and, you know, I don't know who's like, that's the thing. Who is part of the core? Is it Provorov? If he is, I don't see him moving him. And, and it's kind of hard to move a, you know, a guy with, seven million dollars on the books because you know a lot of contending teams can't take that salary honestly like they're capped out so the teams you're going to be looking towards are like you know maybe a rebuild or a player swap but i mean but then who's going to eat Provorov's minutes we don't really have anybody i mean i'm not saying he's a good player but we don't really have anybody eat those minutes at this point no and i think there's a good chance you get back like another team's reclamation project like that's like i fully expect player swaps in these deals you know maybe there's if it's Provorov for a younger guy or something like there's sweeteners in there sure but i i do think you're gonna see some hockey trades this summer yeah and my, and i'll just say the last thing i have to say is i mean the you know the one guy i wish we could trade is risto because i know i keep hammering this point him but my god does he suck i mean he can't it's... play the top four he can't play in the bottom he like he he hurts every single guy he's with every single guy he's with their game gets dragged down he's like jack johnson was for the penguins it's like you can't. So what do you do with a guy like that? I mean, I wish we could like buy him out, but that's impossible. So we're just, just screwed. <laughs> yeah, just buy him out or something. Can Get him out. A, can you buy <laughs> him a contract after three months? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's they got they got pieces that man really doesn't seem like they fit together. Uh, let's go to Patrick Reed Miller. Patrick, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how's it going? How you doing tonight, Patrick? I'm good. Happy Easter to you. Well, oh, happy Easter to you as well. Well, uh, we're, we're almost there, Bill. Almost there. Yeah, six more games. Oh, man. It feels it feels so good. Uh, to Like, April 29th is actually close. Like, it's – we're in the middle of the month. It's not a month away. Like, we're two weeks away from the end of the season. That Friday night against Ottawa, like, I, I literally might have a party. Like, I might invite everyone over and be like, guess what? All my friends are going to be on post game with me. <laughs> that, that'd, be, that'd be fun. <laughs> I'd tune into that. But uh, I want to read something that uh, Noah Kate said. I figured it find you find it interesting. It says, the Flyers locker room is clearly missing the swagger of the winning mentality. It's hard as a new young player to initiate change, but he said there are good leaders. I find that interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I think we're going to find out, like Chris was just saying on the last call, I think we're going to find out a lot about who they think the core of this team is and what they believe the like leadership qualities are of guys in this locker room. You know, because we, we talk so much about Provorov's on-ice play and TK's on-ice play. But those are the guys who should be taking over the team at this point. This should be their team. Uh, I don't get that sense. I think TK is more, more a part of that group than Provorov, but I, I still, you know, there's higher paid veterans and those guys are always going to have pull in the locker room or whatever. But I, I just, I don't get the sense that Provorov is like, Nobody seems to be throwing his name out as the next captain, you know, and it should be, right? I mean, it could, but like, we're like we we've said it like how many times we how are we gonna clear shed salary cap this off season? No, Provorov is one of the guys, so why yeah, should he be a leader? He's someone who year? makes money, who actually has some value. Like, you know, it's gonna be difficult to get rid of James Van Riemsdyk. It shouldn't be super hard to get rid of Provorov. Like, you know, maybe he bounces back and becomes everything we thought he was a couple of years ago. I, I just don't see it. I see a guy who needs somebody else to take on the primary puck handling uh, to be an effective player. And if that's the case, you're not a number one. You, that's that's just you're not. And I was watching interviews again, and I found uh, what Kevin Hayes said was pretty funny. He says this. 
There should be motivation. It's the NHL. We get paid millions to show up and do our job. If you can't find motivation, you should not be on the ice. And I immediately started laughing. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing with Ristolainen then? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and really, Kevin Hayes is a guy I know, like, I have very few questions about Kevin Hayes' like oh, uh, dedication I. I just, I and just effort. Funny. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And, but it's when guys say shit like this, where the Noah Cates quote or the Hayes quote, that means there are some sort of issues with motivation or and like I'm sure that the questions that prompted it are the context of this, but I'm sure there are some sort of like some guys are only worried about when their golf reservations are. Yeah, it seems like it, but I guess lastly, in regards to, like, this offseason, like, man, like, I'm watching Buffalo, and, like, I, I think Harris talked about it earlier, like, like Tage Thompson just comes out of nowhere for them, and is like a goal-scoring machine, and it makes me think, my God, we got we got to somehow draft and somehow just get a hit on somebody who just shows up and starts scoring goals, because I'm like, he, he's, like, gonna, he's, it's like he's going to be a Flyers killer for a little bit against us, and it's like, man, it's... It's insane, like, all these picks that they've had, and, like, Konechny's a nice player, Sandheim's a nice player, it looks like Carter Hart is going to be pretty good, but they just, like, it feels like they haven't got lucky with anyone, like, nobody is hit beyond, like, I guess you could say Oscar Lindblom, but, uh, Christ, if you want to call that lucky, you know, oh, yeah, he looks pretty good, oh, he's recovering from fucking cancer, you know, like, they have to get lucky at some point, don't they? Like, isn't there just an element of luck to all of this that eventually the the coin has to come up tails for them at some point? I mean, that's why I want them to keep losing so we can yeah. like, get top yeah. three and be like, all right, this guy's definitely going to be a star. All right, let's draft him. You know? Uh, they're getting there. They're getting there, Patrick. So uh, it's I not too so. long from now. Yeah. Thanks, when Bill. Is the, uh, and thanks a lot, Patrick. Um, when is, I wanted to bring up the standings and I wanted to bring up NHL draft lottery 2022. Uh, I don't think they have a date for it yet. When is the draft lottery? That would be a wonderful question. And it doesn't look like, if you know, if, if there's a date for the lottery yet, let me know, but it doesn't look like that is set. Um, I did want to bring up the league standings. I will get to who's uh, who's left. Nikki, I will get to you shortly. I just wanted to check a couple of things. Uh, Arizona, Montreal, Seattle, Philly. Okay, so we're – all right, all right. Six games left, 57 points. Jersey is two points up with a game in hand in that fifth spot. So that's huge. Uh, and these these four points Buffalo pick. So Buffalo's got 69 points now. Buffalo's ahead of Detroit in the standings. Uh, Detroit has two games in hand, and they're only a point down. But, damn, like, Buffalo, this is a pretty decent season for Buffalo, considering, like, their best player sat out until he was traded, and they sucked for most of the year. Uh, but, Jesus Christ, the Flyers are so much worse than Buffalo. They're 10 points behind the Sabres. This is insane. Uh, Nikki Hall, Nikki, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Nikki? Happy Easter, of course. To you as well. Uh, so, I know it's probably unrelated. Well, I mean, it is unrelated, but... Y'all remember when we had that playoff series in Buffalo again on Easter? How fun that was? What was that, 2011? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Uh, I just remember, like, play... like, And that was a frustrating series and kind of was... It kind of kicked off all the all of the nonsense that has ensued in the following decade. But like just the fun of playoff hockey mm. when you thought when you you went into a series expecting to win, you know, mm. like the Montreal series a couple of years ago. Yeah, the Flyers supposed to win that and they did. But even, you know, 2014 against the Rangers, 2016 against the Caps. They were never supposed to win those series. And so it was just like, eh, like it was playoff hockey, but not the same as, man, like we could go on a run. These games are important. Mm. I miss that so much. Yeah, really. Like, 
it's like 2010 just keeps becoming more and more of a distant memory. Like it's well over a decade now. Like we had just come off of being that close and uh, I don't even want to get started on that. But like, you know, then the following year I thought, oh, okay, maybe we have a legitimate shot. And then Boston's our next opponent. And, you know, they got their revenge for the year before. So they sure did. That was the end of that story. Um, yeah, no, I actually didn't see much, any, really any of the game I worked today. I was supposed to have off, but I had to work, but I mean, hey, money's money. But anyway, yeah, from what I've been hearing, sounds like, uh, kids are looking good. The, you know, who's playing. Um, yeah, and like, even, uh, I have troubles really pinpointing what I think these games are actually worth. Obviously I think they're worth more to the kids because they actually have something to prove, but these are, I mean, Buffalo and Philly playing back to back home and home over Easter weekend when both teams are 25 points out of the playoffs. Like, I don't know, are these even NHL games, but it's good Mm -hmm. experience either way for the kids. It's better. They look good than not. Um, Obviously none of these, Young players are like the answers to the problems, but no, no, they could be they could be that youthful energy that's here that you know kind of supports the bottom of the lineup if they do add to the top of this lineup, which they say they're going to. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, y'all were talking about TK, but what I found it interest what I found interesting is that TK actually said something last night um, after their loss, and uh, let me pull it up. Uh, this was from yesterday. Uh, uh, sorry, give me a and TK, like, I'm not advocating for getting rid of TK or keeping him. I'm kind of indifferent about Travis Konechny. I okay. think he's a good player, and I think he's having a good season. Mm-hmm. I will not be surprised. I am expecting him to have some sort of shoulder or wrist surgery, something that mm-hmm. has prevented him from shooting the puck for the better part of the last few months. Yeah. He's uh, but been, uh... he, he, yeah, he's a good player. If they get rid of him, hopefully they get value for him. Um, I, I like him, but also I'm not attached to him. If he goes, he goes, if he stays, hopefully they put a good first line ahead of him and he can be a nice second line player. Mm, yeah. But I think here was, here it is. Uh, we are not working as a unit. It's on us to fix that. So Obviously, he knows that this team's hot garbage. And, yeah. You know, he would like to fix that, but he can't do that. But the hockey is not individual effort, so it's not going to be. It's not just going to be up to him. It's going to be up to the you know the rest of the guys. You know who is going to be here next year? Like obviously, Yandel ain't going to be back next year. At least I hope he ain't going to be back next year. You know, Jones ain't going to be back next year. Uh, who else is there? It's just two different players that, you know, were signed to a year or two, two year. Yeah. And it's like in defense of this team that's on the ice now, like mm. this isn't the team from a month ago. This no. team is now a bunch of guys who just got here, like Kevin Hayes coming back, getting healthy, like mm-hmm. defensemen who aren't NHL players like Connaughton and Nick Sealer and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fucking Keith Yandel who won't be here. Like it, mm. it does, it, it makes perfect sense that they're not playing as a unit at this point. Cause they're not, they're hardly a team. No. So uh, and, and, like, I'll give them a pass for that. They don't get a pass for everything else this season, but yeah. it's, it is difficult. Like they have a lame duck coach, the situation the players they're bringing in are in now, like, yeah, of course they lose every night. Like, why wouldn't they? It's the months before this that bothered me that they lost because it didn't make as much sense. Yeah, no, and, you know, AV was like, oh, in what, December, January, something like that? Yeah, that's a, like, uh, someone tweeted me and made a great point. Like, they basically, when they fired AV in, like, December, kind of said, we're going to regroup this summer. You know, you weren't that far out of it when you fired Elaine Vigneault. Like, you could have done something to make these games for the last four months somewhat mm-hmm. meaningful. But, like, I'm glad they didn't. Be, I'm, I'm glad at least they weren't delusional enough to think, like, oh, let's, you know, let's be mediocre. Like, at least we're so bad we're going to get a top five pick. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've put some players in a situation where it's like you – done nothing to help what's going on here like it's on the players it's 100 percent on the players 
but the organization has provided zero aid to them whatsoever. Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. It's just, you know, it feels like, I know it's just exaggeration, but it feels like it's just an endless cycle of torture and pain that just never seems to end. Like, when are we going to get that break? When are we going to get that breakout season? Like, what, what's, and obviously I know what needs to happen. What, what, what moves are we really going to have to make? It's going to be like, okay, we're going to win now mentality. You know, I thought it was going to be after this. Hello? No, I'm right here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, I was saying, like, you know, what's it going to take to get us through and back into that win-now mentality? Because, honestly, I miss those days. I know Yale wasn't going to be back coaching, so I, mean, I guess we'll see what happens in the offseason. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, have a good holiday. Thanks a lot, Nikki. Yeah, I mean, they're going to make moves this offseason that are win-now moves. Um, that's It's their mindset. I don't know if it's the right one. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> but uh, I will, if they're at least good next year, uh, you know, the chances of them being able to add what they need to add to be, you know, good enough to be cup contenders, that's questionable. But it, 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 I really just don't want to watch shit hockey again. You know, whether it's it's young kids playing and they're building towards something or they actually do make some good moves this offseason and the team's better for it. Like, God, I just don't want to watch shit hockey. I want to see a plan. I just want to see some sort of plan enacted. Let's go to, I think Jack Conroy was next. Jack, you're live. What's up, Bill? Uh, haven't been on here in a while, but I just wanted to uh, touch on you. Had a, I thought it was such a great point that Konechny and Provorov, to me, like, you know, I'm not, I don't know what's going on in the locker room, whatever, but. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't seem like they have any leadership qualities. And I think Provorov actually might have wore an A for a bit. But to me, yeah. they still seem like kids who, like, need veterans to, like, show them the way. Like, I feel, in my opinion, like, Farabee seems like, uh, you know, maybe a better leader than them. And maybe that's just me thinking of random stuff in my head. But that that's a really great point. But uh, I wanted to say that... You know, when they're searching for this next head coach, I really want I, I really want them to bring in like some power play mastermind. And I know like the power play kind of comes along with like high end talent and they don't really have any of that, but like I'm so sick and tired of going on the power play for like the past, you know, three years, whatever it's been, and feeling like we're shorthanded. Like I'm I just want to have a force on the power play. It's really annoying just watching you know, getting the power play and not feeling excited. Like I used to get excited when we'd have a power play and think we'd like have a chance to score. Now it's just like dead hockey. Can't even get in the zone. And it, it, it kind of just makes me furious. Yeah. It's, it's part, it's just all part of what makes them so hard to watch is the power play is brutally stationary. It's, so deliberate it's slow like that's the first you need to move this puck goalies are so good defensemen are so good at blocking shots they can all skate so well like if this puck isn't getting whipped around goddamn man like it ain't gonna end up in the back of this net look at how many there's like 20 goalies with a 920 save percentage or like 918 save percentage or better in the league you're not just beating them you know like it's it worked when Giroux was Giroux, and you also had the cross-ice threat with Voracek, but that's gone. All that – it didn't work the last couple of years here either. You know, it, it's it, – like, it, you have to change something up. It can't just be, all right, we're going to stand at the half boards, we're going to wait, we're going to play catch with the defenseman until something opens up on the other side. All right, nothing opened up. We're going to force it. All right, we have an offensive zone face-off. Ah, fuck, they want it and cleared. We got to start all over. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Like, I was on, you know, boat, get Tarion out of town. I was so excited because I, I honestly thought it was partially him holding them back. Yeah. It's not. I guess it's just trash players. <laughs> no, that's – like, as bad as the power play was, now they're the worst. <laughs> like, yeah. They scored every now and then. And, like, Tarion probably sucked as a coach. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just funny that now they have the worst power play. 
Yeah, like the amount of times I've screamed at my TV, like carry it in the zone, like when they're obsessed with dumping it in, you know, sometimes they'll get open looks, obviously the shoot, the the meme and, you know, the the power play. I, I don't know. I feel like I got to move past it, but it's just, it's made me mad throughout my whole Flyers fandom. But thanks, Bill. That's all I got. Today. Thanks a lot, Jack. Now, the power play is insanely frustrating because got like. Man, you gotta be scoring one out of five. Like you have more players than them. You have more guys. You can do like they're not gonna chase you. That's the craziest part to me. Is they're not gonna chase you behind the net. We know this. Defensemen are taught not to pursue behind the net when you're especially when you're down a man. The goalie can't see you back there. And if he turns around to look at you and you pass it out front, he has no idea where anyone is. Like, it's just, oh, my God. I I could just, it's, it's the most frustrating shit in the world. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Adam Bortz, Adam, you're live. Hey, Bill. Uh, I am so happy we finally have the worst power play in the league because it can only go up from here. Like, the only <laughs> thing it can do is impress us from here. That's And, like, any stat where the Flyers are not last is a stat yeah. that doesn't match the eye test. So at least this yeah. one I know is right. right. I know this statistic isn't lying to me because the Flyers are, in fact, the worst. Exactly. <laughs> Can only go up from here. I am. I'm so happy about that. Um, so I've been, you know, sporadically kind of paying attention over the holiday and and whatnot. But I caught Fletcher's comments that he recently said about Ryan Ellis. Did you happen to see what he said in the last presser? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like. A lot of shit he should know by now about this injury and its trajectory and its treatment. They're like really hush hush about everything. This is so weird. Like no, and like what the last the time I going the, on the last time I heard them talk and it was like, yeah, we're not sure if he, he can rehab or surgery or whatever. And it's like he's been hurt since October. Does he have like a shattered like, pelvis? Like, like yeah, like what he, he might have been he might have been hurt in September, you know? Like yeah. uh, what what how don't how doesn't anyone know this shit yet? if you're not telling me, you're not telling me, okay. I'm I don't need to know, but if you're telling me you don't know how you're treating it, that means you don't know shit. Yeah, kinda yeah. I, you know, do you think it could be potentially career ending? Based on how murky uh, and cryptic it's been, I like. I don't like to speculate on injuries, but because I don't fucking know. But sure. yeah, it's it's definitely a concern that, if not career threatening, like near future threat. Like, could we be without him all next year? Sure. Why would I think uh, otherwise at this point? Yeah. You know, like why would I think he's gonna play? Even 65 games next year, let alone 82. Like, that's not happening. But uh, why would I think anything else? Uh, There's no no reason for me to be optimistic about him whatsoever. Yeah, it's weird. It's just just weird. It's just really weird. The way they're handling it, the way they're talking about it, it it's just so weird. Um, So, again, like sporadically kind of paying attention, sporadically kind of watching games. And a small sample size, blah, blah, blah. The previous couple callers brought up uh, the progress of the new kids. One, one detail that I really like about these guys. And again, you know, Cates is going to be a great third liner. Bobby Brink might be a good, you know, to bottom tier second liner, power play specialist, like whatever. To your point, they're not the solution. They're a piece, yada, yada, yada. However, one of the little kind of, tiny details that I really liked about their game that I have not seen in this current regime is 
the way they're able to kind of like possess the puck and protect it, it's kind of welcoming. And, you know, like how many times have we seen TK just get pushed off the puck like a like a pool noodle? You know what like I mean? The entire team. Yeah. Every time they're – if oh. you – if you go near them, they lose the puck. Like, yes. Nobody is strong on the puck. Like it, no. stick handling in the traffic, zero percent chance of coming out with it. Zero. Right. Like every right. single time. Like guys who are stronger on the puck, an absolute necessity. And guys who play with pace, guys who can do that shit while moving their feet are like that's huge. Like Kevin Hayes is the only one who stick handles while skating on this team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But and their their possession numbers back that up big time. Yeah. You know, that that claim. And I just like Noah Cates along the boards and what he's able to do and retain it is is phenomenal. And it's like such a breath of fresh air that we haven't seen from a lot of the guys that are currently on the team. And, you know, Bobby Brink, his vision looks excellent. Um, you know, it, not not just passing. You know, there was a couple times like one one play tonight in particular that stood out to me was Buffalo was trying to break it out from behind the net. And Brink had the foresight to know that there was pressure coming from the one side of the of the defender. And he the only option he had to to break it out to his right side. And Brink immediately before the dude even made the pass, sprinted over to the guy to do that little stick lift, which he's done a couple times since he's played here and made the heads-up play to keep the puck in the zone and, and regain possession. And uh, it's just like little things like that are like a welcome breath of fresh air that nobody's been able to do on this team for a while, you know? Yeah, it's it's nice to see some of these young kids at least getting an opportunity, and thanks a lot, Adam. Um, it's – watching this the, – the lineup regulars has been incredibly frustrating over the last few years. And just seeing something a little bit different, it's it feels good. Uh, let's go to Haunted Laptop. Haunted, you're live. Hey, how's it going, Bill? How are you tonight? Good. Uh, I had a couple things. Um, so just before, I had a question to start off with. So based on based on how bad this season has been, and even last season, if somehow the next this next coming year, if the Flyers make the playoffs, period not saying they even go past the first round or win a game. Are you satisfied with that turnaround? Uh, it depends. Like I'd have to see the actual, like, did they just get in with the second wild card and lose in five or six and they never had a shot? Did they overcome some injuries to get there? Did they like, I'd have to see how they play. But if I don't think that they're actually, if they don't have a chance in my mind to win the Stanley Cup, then no. Because if that's the case, then they should just rebuild now because you're not going to be able to spend your way out of this thing. Right. Um, so going back to what some other people were saying uh, in some of the last comments about, like, who are the leaders in the room? And I know some people were pulling out quotes from, like, Hayes today about, like, if, if you're not motivated to be here, what are you doing? Um, you know, it's 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 impossible for us to say who are the leaders in the room now that Giroux is gone and, you know, Couturier has been hurt the whole year, but, you know, I think, I think unofficially Hayes is, is probably one of those guys. And regardless of what we think about Konechny's, you know, actually being a good leader. Like I, I just think those two quotes are kind of important. Cause like, if you look at who the other, I mean, if you look at today's just who played, the other guys who are like earning millions of dollars, like there's not a lot of guys that they could be talking about. Like there's only a handful of guys that they can be sort of in reference to. And like, you know, uh, this sort of goes back to what you were saying as well with like, you know, what do these last couple of games even really mean? And like, I, I wonder how much of it is just like a, the, the, the organization getting an idea of like, all right, we're out of it, but like, who wants to be here? Like, yeah, no, that's, that's a very important part. Like it's one of the things that matters about these cup last few games. Like 
who is motivated to be here, who wants to continue to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Right. Um, and stick with whatever the vision of this thing will be. Like, even if, you know, okay, yeah, we're going to get rid of some, maybe we're going to get rid of some of your friends in this locker room. Do you see that as necessary? Because if you don't, you're going to have to go too, you know? Like, right. clearly things have to get mixed up. And I'm not referencing any one player in particular here. I just mean, like, you know, guys on a team, uh, there are different cliques, different groups of friends. Some of those guys are going to have to go. Like, is that going to be something that holds you back from, you know, maybe wanting to be here? And if so, see you. Like, yeah. They're going to have to find all this shit out in these next few couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and you know, like it's it's I'm, I'd imagine that going into, you know, the offseason, the, the, those kind of guys like, you know, Lawton and Hayes and, and, and whatnot, like, you know, in the in the post postseason like exit interviews I, I i have to imagine you know the even though they're not officially named anything there's you know they're not adding any you know letters to their sweaters at the end of the year but you know you'd have to imagine that what those guys say about you know the locker room who's 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 actually putting forth some effort and kind of who's part of the solution like i have to imagine they'll be they'll be listened to um from the from the front office yeah, without a doubt, Haunted. And uh, we'll, uh, all we can do is wait and see with Chuck here. Uh, let's go to Dan Soffer. Dan, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Uh, thanks for taking my call. First time, long time. Uh, Welcome aboard. Thanks. Uh, I want to talk about something uh, I think it was uh, Patrick had mentioned um, earlier in the post game. Um, he mentioned, you know, they, they haven't been hitting on draft picks, um, that like that, that's definitely true. Um, but to me, at least as big of an issue, if not bigger is just that they, they haven't specifically, um, been drafting toward like pure offensive talent, you know, and, and that's not something that's going to be news to you or anything. It's come up occasionally on. Yeah. We've talked like, I, I think, honestly, I think Fletcher has done a better job of targeting a guy with an elite skill set or two rather than a guy who's three stars in five different things. Like, all right, maybe his skating isn't good, but he's got a great shot. All right, fuck it. Let's take him then. Like if he can consistently beat goalies, like let's get him a skating coach. I think Fletcher's done a better job of looking for elite skill sets rather than, Oh, well he's the most complete complete player. He'll definitely be in the NHL. You know, it's like, all right, I like Scott Lawton a lot, but if you have a team of them, you're not going to win that often. Exactly. You know, so, so like it seems like Chuck is trying to trend that way, but it, it's been so long since the – Yeah, no, they have 10 years of had. drafts where they didn't do that. Exactly. So, like, you know, the, the I mean, putting the puck in the other team's net is the single most important thing as far as I'm concerned. Every, you know, you want to see hits, you want to see good defense, goaltending, whatever, but, like, you could have a literal brick wall – in your crease where like you cannot put the puck in, you give up zero goals every you night. You don't win zero, zero. Yeah. Exactly. You have to score at some point. So like case in point, I've, uh, I've watched all the Panthers games since the G trade. Uh, Cause I've decided I'm going to follow G because G's great. And you know, they're 12 and one since he got there, they scored these goals. They were the leading, you know, top scoring team in the league even before that. But one thing I'm noticing when I watch them is, you know, it's not a perfect team. They give up a lot of quality scoring chances and they take a lot of penalties. But the reason they're so good isn't because they just lock everybody down. It's because they just score a shitload of goals. Like that's what they need to build around. And like the closest thing they've even tried to to really do as far as like, you know, let's bolster the goal scoring, you know, prior to, to Chuck's drafts, which haven't paid off yet is signing James Van Riemsdyk. And that's not exactly like league elite goal scoring, you know, like he was probably, you know, one of the, you know, two or three best available at that time. But like, still like, that's not a lot. They just, they haven't been building the team around putting the puck in the other team's net. And yeah. And even like JVR, you know, a consistent 28 goal scorer. And of course, you know, his contract year, he scores 36. So it's, oh, well, we're getting a a real 30 goal scorer. Well, not, 
Not actually. You're getting a 25 plus goal scorer, definitely. But yeah, he's not. A, he's not that guy. And they haven't had anything like. And he's the best one. You know, like he's the best goal scorer they've they've brought in. And yeah, like you said, not that elite status. Yeah, so it's like they just the guys they do have just don't have like the goal scoring mentality. And like JJ was talking about this in real time during the broadcast where, you know, they're playing six on fives. There's effectively a power play and nobody's moving. Like you can't get the defense out of position if you all just fucking stand there. It like like, it's the easiest thing in the world to defend a station, like a stationary attacker. It's so. All you're worried about is losing the guy behind you, and you won't if you never have to move. Yeah, like you can't get the puck into, you know, high danger scoring areas if you're letting the defenseman just park in those areas and and just they don't even have to do anything to cover you. So that's the big thing to me. Like the, the, it's not even just like, you know, they need a guy with a plus shot. They need guys who just have that offensive mind. Innate ability to create goal scoring opportunities like some guys just have a nose for it absolutely dan i'm right there with you i agree they it's like it's not just about getting the dude with the 110 mile an hour slap shot or the guy who can pick corners like it's just a team mentality of we're going to attack the areas where goals are scored not oh well we're just going to throw it around the perimeter and hope something opens up like now you need to take that ice uh, Matt, Matt, you're live. Uh, hey, bro, how you doing out there, buddy? How are you tonight, Matt? Um, I'm not too bad. Um, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but just random thoughts. Um, in terms of uh, like you're talking about power play and um, you know that sort of stuff. Like it seems like to me. Um, I, I know we talk about Fletcher's drafts not really coming through yet, but the one thing I don't like about his drafts um i i don't see enough of a focus on skating um i i know they seem to be really focusing on guys that can shoot um but i mean forrester like even Tippett, brink um none of these guys you know stand out to me in transition like it, it it's the haze thing you know he he's got skill but it's sometimes he just seems like he lumbers up the ice. And I really wish that for this pick that is so crucial moving forward, um, that just skating is really a, a priority there. Um, you talk about that stationary power play and, um, you know, guys not really moving around. Um, it just seems like these guys know how to go north and south. And that's yeah. kind of where it ends for me. Like I, I, I want skating to become a, a theme for drafting guys going forward here. Yeah, and, like, straight line speed would be nice. But also, yeah, just those confident stop on a dime, make guys miss skaters as well. Like, it's not even their moves, uh, like their puck handling ability, but just the way they skate that they can lose a defender. Uh, they need so much of that. You're you're absolutely right um, in terms of focusing on – Man, team speed is such an issue right now. The best teams in the league are able to move the puck and move themselves at such a rate that the Flyers, uh, they could play three extra periods after the other team leaves the ice and wouldn't be able to catch up. <laughs> they, I mean, like, they they could save money on, like, the Zamboni guy in, in Philly, <laughs> um, you know, for not sending him all that much. But um, it, it just, for me, the, the speed and the skating, like, even looking at Katuri and Hayes, like, I'm not a huge Katria guy. Like, you know, it's nothing personal, whatever. It's just, um, it, your top two centers right now are, are not guys that are going to keep up with players like Konechny. So we're talking about getting the most of, you know, guys like Travis. And, um, like, there's so many times in the past where I've seen him just try to rush up the ice and he's alone up there. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it, when we talk about building a lineup, um, I, you know, it's, I'm not really sure what they're doing. No, it's it's definitely like I keep saying. There's just so many pieces that don't seem to really fit. Like it was a concern of mine when they signed Kevin Hayes, and I like the signing. I still like Kevin Hayes. I'm glad he's here. But yeah, when you're looking at all right, Sean Couturier, not exactly a burner. Um, I think Hayes 
prior to the injury, especially, he was able to turn it on. Like for someone who I thought was slow, for some reason, he kept being on breakaways and guys wouldn't be catching him. But obviously, like since the injury he slowed down a little, but either way, it's not like he's an incredibly great skater. Um, when that's the centerpiece of the top six, all right, we're going to have to find some speed elsewhere. And can they then keep up with their line mates? Yeah, it's just, you know, about like the way the league's heading, right? So, you know, and another topic that you guys were discussing here is about things like leadership. And I just, I picture fucking Bobby Clark, like sitting and just whispering in Fletcher's ear about, oh, you know, we got shitty leadership, shitty leadership. Well, like, it, it just seems to me that teams that suck, like teams that don't have talent, focus on stupid intangibles, on things yeah. like leadership and about fucking locker room fit because they're trying to, you know, focus on the micro things instead of the fact that, well, you know what, you don't really have the fucking talent to begin with. And Fletcher already tried this experiment of changing up that locker room. We sent out the best transition guy in Voracek to, I don't know, bring in Yandel so he can be a cheerleader in there. Well, they fucking sucked anyway. Um, it's it's talent first and foremost, man. Yeah, it, without a doubt. And I, I really do think sometimes they look at that, like those intangible things as a way to like not sell out. Oh no, our scouts are good. The player is good enough, but it's, it's inside of him. That is good <laughs> enough. We recognize the skill set. He just can't bring it out of himself. Uh, like he's not a good fit in the locker room or there's some other thing that we weren't able to evaluate until after the fact, like so much of it, I think is face saving sometimes. It's um, it's like that whole like be a be a flyer or whatever thing. Um, and like they they have a sign. Um, you can Google it on whatever Google. Um, they have a sign <laughs> in that locker room where they used to not long ago that says, um, you know, we don't care what your name is on the back. If you don't do things our way, you don't play for this team. And I think that went up around the Baruby times. Um, and it's just. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a hard team to play for. Like, you know, for if guys want to play here and all, like I fucking wouldn't like they, they don't bring out, you know, the good qualities and players. No, absolutely not. Like very few guys who has reached their potential here in the last, I mean, like, Claude we have, who, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're right. Yeah. That's, yeah, and you know, just just one last thing. I'm taking up a lot of time, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know if this is whatever okay to talk about here, but um, yeah, yeah, sure. just just in terms of Ellis, like I feel like him. Um, what happens with him going forward is going to be huge for other moves. Like I, I don't know how they can move Provorov if Ellis's status is up in the air. If they can even look at moving Sandheim if his status is up in the air. Um, there's. There was something out there mentioned that there's a disconnect between Ellis and the medical team, and it kind of is being felt on both sides. And I know, you know, we, we've kind of laughed about it here, and you guys laughed about it on your podcast that, um, you know, him not being in the team picture isn't a huge deal. Um, it, I, I've sort of heard a little bit different, you know, whatever, take that for what it's worth. But um, it's just, for me, like if Ellis, if we're not hearing good things, and if this is kind of true that there are some behind the scenes things with him not being happy, or just kind of sounds like an Eichel deal. I don't see how you can move forward with like an aggressive retooled. If you actually lose that guy. No, like, I mean, we're talking and thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, you yeah. know, we're talking about uh, potentially moving at least one of the, the youngish veteran defensemen in Provorov and Sandheim. And it's like, Yo, with these guys all year, we didn't have six NHL defensemen. If Ellis isn't going to be around, and I've heard the Ellis stuff too. Uh, I heard that I think it was Chris Tarian. Uh, I just don't know. So I don't like to comment on shit I don't actually know. Um, the little things that get pointed to all in a vacuum, if, like, if it was just that one thing, it would be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But – when you put it all together, there's you can see how maybe there's something there. And the fact that he has a potential disconnect with the um, uh, medical staff, well, Jesus Christ, I hope someone does. Like, 
<laughs> my God, the, the the botches of players getting hurt, coming back, getting hurt immediately again. Uh, the, the, uh, every situation they've dealt with over the last couple of years with injuries seems like uh, it's been fucked up in some way. I don't know if that's on the doctors. I don't know if it's on the players not telling them what's actually the matter. I, it just seems like, yeah, a, a, a really good veteran player. Um, has an issue with their medical staff. I fully believe that because fuck, why wouldn't he? Uh, Warren Brody, Warren, you're live on the post game. Warren, you're muted. Bill, there how you, you doing? Uh, it going, I was at Warren? the game. Oh, great! I was at the game tonight. Very exciting. I was sitting behind. Uh, you were the one. I I was the one. I was there with my brother. To, you know, we get we uh, get some quality time together every so often. Anyway. You know, I was sitting behind the net where the Buffalo came on that 4 on 0. Uh, that was pretty amazing uh, <laughs> that they screwed up that line change so badly. And I saw it coming. I was like, what the heck? Are they, what's going on here? Uh, so I I don't know. I, I mean, the team is checked out. It's over. It's hard to even figure out what's going on there because the team is disjointed. There's players in there that shouldn't. Veteran yeah. players that shouldn't be in there. There's young players that shouldn't be in there. Uh, but the one thing I noticed, you know, we've talked about this at nauseum, the power play. I mean, it just they they haven't spent enough time and money on. They haven't gotten the right players on there, and they also obviously don't have a system. And until they fix that, it's it's just a waste of time. Uh, uh, they got a long way. They got a long way to go, and. I, I, this new aggressive retool is not going to happen. It's impossible. It's just, they are lacking so much. I agree, Warren. It does seem like a uh, a task like, oh, yeah, they're three players away. Yeah, three fucking superstars maybe. <laughs> like, you know, if yeah, if we were able to get Leon Dreisaitl and Kale McCarr and then like another veteran who used to be a superstar and now is still pretty damn good, yeah. Like and Claude Giroux, honestly, the guy I just the guy I'm describing is Claude Giroux. Then yeah, sure, uh, maybe they'd be right there in terms of potential contending. But even then, uh, but just yeah, watching the team play now, you can't even. It's impossible to even judge so much of what's going on out there at this point because they don't have an NHL roster on the ice. I mean, I, like Nate Thompson's playing every night again. And I don't want to single out Nate Thompson. He's far from the issue. It's just like Ronnie Adderd, Igor Zamula, Kevin Connaughton, Keith Yandel. Like these, these are not NHL players, you know. And I'm glad Zamula and Adderd are getting a chance. Uh, but like, come on, you know. Harris Barnes, Harris, you're going to close it out for us. Um. So I think it was Dan earlier who uh, basically stole my point about them not uh, drafting for that A plus shot. Why aren't they with trying to sign more scoring wingers who have that plus shot or who like their their goal out there is to produce offense? Like when we talked about in the past with um, Hoffman and Duclair were two guys that were available and they just didn't do it because they it seems like they just focus the organization, regardless of who's the GM, focuses way too much on 200 foot game and being well rounded enough. And you can. Yeah, those scoring wingers aren't great defensively, but like you can hide them because you have so many 200-foot players on the team already. Yeah, like that's my – like what's the point of having Sean Couturier if you don't have that guy with him? Like, all right, cool, Sean Couturier, that's a weapon. You know what else it means? You can afford a top-end player who isn't maybe all that good defensively, and he can carry the offense for you because you have a goddamn Selkie Trophy winner. Like, that's the whole point. You know, like, it just seems like it gets back to I don't know what they're doing in terms of lineup building, and they just have pieces that are like – not fit for each other. Yeah, and and people talk about well, you can't overpay for non-elite players in UFA. Well, Hoffman got like four million from St. Louis, and he waited on the market for a long time. And Duclair got three million from Florida. Like they didn't cost that much. And like if you were really concerned about the cap, and all teams were at the time, then just make find ways to make room. Like I don't think it's that hard. I mean, like it's hard obviously as a GM, but like take advantage of other GMs screwing up. 
Yeah, like there's plenty of them out there. There's very few well-run organizations. Like you want to talk about like three million bucks? That's what they're playing. They're paying Limblom and Lawton. You know, like why wouldn't you pay that for high-end offense too? Yeah, um, and with Konechny, do fans have way too high of expectations for him because he did it for one year? Because yes. like, otherwise, he's a forty to fifty point guy, and like. They drafted him, what, 24th, 25th, or whatever it was, and he yeah. was there for the Flyers, and they traded up for him because he didn't take that next step forward in his second year of junior with Ottawa. Like, if, if he was a more consistent player and just scored way more, then he wouldn't have been there, and Boston would have taken him. I think he gets, like, No, unfair. exactly. Yeah, he gets unfairly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, and thanks a lot, Harris, I think it's that, uh, like, people thought he had taken that next step, and it wasn't just – that one great year because it happened so early in his career really uh that he has that you know he doesn't do it at 27 and it's like oh okay so this is him entering his prime this is what he is and maybe he can be even better and it's like yeah Travis Konechny shouldn't lead your team in points and won't most likely I mean maybe a team that doesn't score much you know uh but it's it, I do think the expectations are are too high for TK uh, I, I think he's having a good – like, the year he's having right now, yeah, he could put in a few more goals or whatever, uh, and I expect that to come back, again, fully expected to be like, yeah, he needs shoulder surgery or his wrist wrist is fucked up or something. And, uh, but I, I think he's a good second-line player, and you need good second-line players. I think he would fill that role on any team in the league and do it very well. Um it's just the Flyers need him to be a first-line player because they don't have any, and he's not. And that's why we are where we are. That's why the that's why the fucking front office came out on TV and said we don't have enough high-end talent. You know, like they see it too. How they go about getting it, uh, you know, we'll see. All right, and that is all the time I have for you on tonight's post game. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever they're podcasting. And boom, content, content, content. Six games, guys. We got six games left. We're doing it. We're here. We've made it to the end. Get them bagpipes going. All right. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.